I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sweet birthday, baby. Welcome back to The Female Gaze, the podcast that celebrates those whose work places women as the subjects, not objects of their own stories. I'm your host, Jesse Katz, joined today by a special guest co-host, Mandana Mofidi. What's going on, Mandana? Oh, it's so good to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Thanks for joining. Good vibes in here. Yeah, well, you brought them, so I'm very excited you. about our guest today, okay, too. Okay, well, hang on, hang on. First, let's talk about you for a second. Uh, Mandana is the executive director of audio at Gizmodo Media Group, That's right. so she has all the right bona fides to be on this <laughs> podcast. She's probably overqualified so we're honored that she has deigned to slum it with us here today it's so nice to be here on the side of the mic usually i'm behind the scenes so it's That's a new right. experience how do you feel wow are you nervous do you like my terry gross voice yeah what's happening stop i don't know whispering. okay it's all right creepy, i'll stop actually. whispering no okay. no it's great it's great <laughs> uh Mondana, you have also worked as a producer for outlets like vice and cbs news and pbs right so you're smart, right. I think. I think. A little bit edgy. Right. But educated. Uh-huh. Uh, interested in real life stories. Right. Some people call those docs. Mm. Some people say documentaries. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, there's a lot of options for a number of syllables you can use. But um, yeah, happy to have you here. And I guess, yeah, we can acknowledge the third person in the room. Let's do it. I haven't been speaking because Because you're waiting I'm for waiting. Your proper- <laughs> Yeah, as you should. So uh, we have with us here today uh someone who is a friend and a colleague and an all-around badass julie stewart banks hello thank you thank you it's great (laughs) to be here yeah it's kind of interesting because i know both of you from sort of different facets of my life and then somehow we all knew each other so yeah obviously because badass women together are friends amazing (laughs) and it's so cool to be doing this with both of you yeah it's 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 uh, sorry it's, it's heartwarming it's emotional i am so grateful and is that a taurus thing i was told i'm supposed to announce that you both are mm-hmm. taurus yes yeah it's yes. gonna be a big february for us yes, is what I've been, told. <laughs> I've been told oh, yeah. too get yes. ready buckle yeah. up bulls <laughs> what kind of february is it gonna be for me what are the virgos uh, virgos are doing month? really well you guys have <laughs> do you lying accept- to my face no you do an exceptional job with balancing virgos the, the woman the virgin on the on the astrological you know, wheel. They're they're known for bringing balance and an earthly quality. In fact, it's really great that you're here with us, unhinged Tauruses, because <laughs> we're hoping that you yeah, can bring had, some. We've calm. had a lot of turmoil in the last yes, while, yeah, but we usually attract and it. The too. horns are sharp, <laughs> right? We do. I do. Wait, you cause it and you attract it. You are our matador today. Yeah. Oh wow! All right, I was already sweating before we started, and now it's like getting. We ridiculous. cause it and attract it. All right, let's get back to Julie, shall we? Yeah, Julie. back to me. <laughs> Julie, you are a sports broadcaster, as as some would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, like I a am. Very formal term. It is. Yeah. What's a easier term? I don't we know. Can it's sling like around. Probably just like sports reporters. Very 
I, I don't know. You have to say the sports in front of it because that's yeah. sort of like the domain. But right. yeah, broadcaster seems so stuffy. Mm. But reporter makes me imagine someone who's like in the press box typing up notes on the game. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. an on-screen, on-camera reporter. Yeah, at some point in my life I was. Uh, <laughs> not currently, but... Okay, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you've worked for a lot of places that we've heard of, like ESPN, Fox Sports, Barstool, and uh, some Canadian sports outlets that I'm sure... That no lo- one down here has heard of, right, but... but I'm sure they're very prestigious yes. and that we would be impressed if we knew anything about Canada, but we're Americans, we don't know anything about anybody. No. So And you guys are, like, proud of it, too. Like, you guys pride yourselves off of being like, nope, yeah. I don't know where Haiti is. Interesting. <laughs> like, right? it's, Interesting. It, I think it was once a point of shame, and now it's just become a, an in-joke, and yeah. we don't feel bad about it anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's not get into that. It's like that. a rite of passage to be American, to like, don't ignorance. know anything. <laughs> right. Sorry, well, sorry, sorry. <laughs> America's happy to have you, Julie. Thank and you. We're happy to have you on the podcast. Yes, Mandana, were you raising your hand? Well, I mean, I would say some Americans. I'll just put that no, out I've, there. Oh, God. I've met a lot of Is really this part great of the Americans. Not all Americans movement. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so we are going to ask Julie all about being a woman in sports yes. media, about the challenges of working in the media landscape, of which there are many, but through your particular filter, I'm interested to know what it's like working with athletes. Uh, I also really want to ask you about this recent turn into comedy that mm, you've taken. Yes, nice pivot. Uh, <laughs> Montana supports that life choice. Yeah, yes. um, but first, a few things. Uh, I want to give a quick thank you to all of our listeners who have been filling up our DMs with their thoughts on some of the subjects that have come up on the show recently. Um, we recently debated the phrase, you guys, and asked if, if it's something that we should be eliminating from our language. And so on the show, it was discussed. Not all of the relevant points were made. Our listeners have pointed out. So uh, we've been hearing a lot from you guys, which has been amazing. Keep letting us know what you think. I'm actually curious to know what you guys think. I just said it like yes, five times. Yes, you did. You guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll say something we've been hearing from listeners is that for people who don't identify as male, it can feel a little off, especially for people who are non-binary and mm-hmm. so already feel misidentified all the time. That phrase can feel a little triggering. Mm-hmm. Um I have gone into the DMs and played devil's advocate just because I it's a horrible trait that I have. I like to do that. But to say that I think sometimes when we say you guys, we're using that in a gender non-specific way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but if it feels bad to people, maybe we should get rid of it. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's Any just thoughts? lazy, I think. Exactly. Right? Like, that You literally took the words yeah, out of my mouth. Yeah, it's just something that we, we don't know we're doing it. We don't realize that it's offending people. But yeah. it's just our... Just just how, how I'm like, I can't even think of what I want to say because I'm an idiot. Uh, yeah, we just we need to find a different way to address people because I can see how it could be offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I've used it, it's just pure laziness, mm-hmm. right, of how to address or, or people. Just not being aware. Yeah. I, but it's definitely not necessary, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's a million other ways to address a group of people. You can just say you, like mm-hmm. the plural you. It's grammatically correct to say that. Or hey folks or hey y'all yes. or whatever i mean it's like the pronoun thing right you just need to retrain your brain a little bit mm-hmm. that's basically it right i mean i think you were mentioning laziness i think we just pick up these slangs around yes. the way and we don't even know that we're using it a recent one for me is bro i spent mm. too much time in miami and i keep saying bro and it's you a say big, that to women yeah. a lot i do say that yeah You're well, you do you yeah. both have been on the receiving end <laughs> of yes, that yeah. and it's just this thing that uh 
is ingrained in just social interactions and it sounds familiar, you know, familiar. And do you say it to men? I do say it to men and I say it about men and I say it about women and I say it about anything that happens. It's like a exclamation point. So you, hey guys, or Mm -hmm. you guys. I've I've noticed is is hey ladies any better? I feel like that sounds kind of gross to me. Like I hey know. ladies. Well, yeah. Ladies. So I think That's the creepy. problem with that is you're assuming people's gender identifies ladies. Right. Right. So, so like I heard Eileen Miles talk about this. If I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I'm sorry, guys. I honestly don't remember. But um, Eileen Miles has been using they them lately, mm-hmm. but said on a panel I attended recently that. They don't really mind she, her, and either is kind of okay, but something that drives them fucking crazy is if they go to a restaurant Mm -hmm. and the server says, hi, ladies, that makes their skin crawl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So I guess if we're just hearing from folks that they don't like it, let's just drop it because language is adaptable. Yeah. I found it interesting. I take uh, improv classes at Upright Citizens Brigade here. Uh-huh. And when we went through our first class of just this recent course I'm doing, our instructor said, okay, so I'm going to, you know, call your name, tell me, you know, what name you'd like to go by and then what pronoun you, pronoun you use. And I, I found that yeah. interesting because, like, I haven't ever had that. In a, I mean, also, we haven't been in school in 100 right. years. So, <laughs> right. but I thought, oh, I hope that this, like, is happening on a widespread level, right? Yeah. Especially younger kids, too. Totally. I mean, I see it in a lot of people's email signatures now. Right. Yeah. How preferred what's the pronouns. sign preferred pronouns? Yeah. Like their name and then underneath she, her, they, them. Got whatever. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the future. Uh, okay. So also just a reminder on that note to keep sending us DMs, tweets, everything when you disagree, agree with anything that we're mentioning. We love to hear back from our listeners. And we also need more topics for the hot takes wheel. We have yes. barely enough to get through this episode. Um, so keep sending us your ideas. It's a great way to be mm-hmm. part of the show. Okay, now it's time for everyone's favorite segment: float your boat and be in your bonnet. Would do anyone it. like Let's to kick do us it. off, do it. or should I get us started? Why don't you get us started? Okay, yeah. <laughs> warm us up. Um, well, first, I just want to ask: Was the State of the Union on anyone's list for? I didn't pick it because okay. I thought we'd probably discuss it anyway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I. I could have easily made Nancy's clap my vote this week. The tiny fuck you clap that Pelosi gave Trump. I've been like now just starting to do that in real life to everyone after that, right? Guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, Google it. It's like this half extended arm, almost like making a little crocodile mouth with her arms, like middle fingers extended at him. So condescending. And like that he didn't pick up on it. It was so good. He's like, thank you. If these palms could talk yeah Yeah. there was my favorite meme was per your last email yeah (laughs) that's awesome so good good. okay um my official float your boat this week is the show russian doll which i was referencing with that weird thing i said at the top of the episode it is on netflix if you haven't seen it it is starring natasha leone who's been a badass for her entire career and i'm so glad she has her own show now the show is co-created by her Amy Poehler, which is really interesting because it's not the type of comedy or tone we usually associate with Amy. It's kind of dark and dirty. Mm, And I love that she was part of that. And Leslie Headland is the third co-creator who made um, the movie Bachelorette. Is that the name of the movie? I'm going to fact check myself while we're talking. Um, But she also did Sleeping with Other People. Have you seen that? Nope. I heard of it. Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie. Yeah. 
Anyway, um, the show's amazing. It This is a spoiler, but you learn it right away in the first episode, and it's the whole premise of the show. Uh, a woman in New York City, Natasha Lyonne, dies and then comes back to life in the same on the same night over and over again. Oh. It's a Groundhog Day oh. kind of thing. And so she's trying to figure out why this is happening to her. So she keeps wow. reliving the night of her birthday party over and over again. Oh. Yeah. Good. I've been Russian doll. Wanting to get into a new show, too. It's kind of, I like a little bit of creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend. And why is it creepy? Well, she dies? Yeah. Oh, right. But like. And she <laughs> dies in all these different. Right. But so does the, she die in different ways every night? Yes. Okay. And you know. she changes how she spends every night, I imagine. So, right, so she always starts in the bathroom of her birthday party, and she walks out of the bathroom, and her best friend who's throwing her the party says, like, sweet birthday, baby, and Ah. then she, whatever, stays at the party or leaves the party, but she's trying to figure out why this is happening. Oh, my God, I'm, like, scared right now. She's unraveling, (laughs) and it, it is, like, dark, and there's this whole thing about... Her mother had some serious mental illness, and she's that kind of factors mm-hmm. into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's a flashback to her mother played by Chloe Sevigny, which is fucking awesome. Love. Yeah. Anyway, it's great. Check it out. That is my boat this week. Then I have a secondary boat that I want to discuss, which is that Entertainment Weekly mm. reunited the cast of My Best Friend's Wedding yes. for the cover of their romantic comedy issue. So I, I shared it with you guys. So hopefully you've taken a look at the pictures of that cast. Yes. Uh, it's been 22 years since the movie came out. Crazy. Uh, they all still look fucking amazing, but especially the women. Cameron <laughs> yeah. Diaz. Cameron Diaz and Julia, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yes. I Queens. almost didn't even like recognize the other guys at first. Yeah. Right? So Rupert Everett, who played Julia's gay uh, BFF, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, looks looks yeah. a little different, um, but still dashing and, and can um, sing his heart out. Yeah, yeah, and Dermot Mulroney. I mean, he's he's been consistently acting this whole time, so I th- I don't think it was surprising for a lot of us to see him again. And he still looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's let himself go gray, and he looks awesome. Uh, so it made me rethink this movie, especially in the context of this podcast. I asked myself, does this movie hold up to the female gaze? I've always thought fondly of the movie since I saw it, right? I think we kind of all hold it in the canon of great rom-coms, even though it has an untraditional ending, even an untraditional plot, where our heroine, first of all, she's the one chasing the guy, which is unusual. And in the article that Entertainment Weekly wrote about this reunion, she said that one of her favorite lines in the movie is when her character says to Dermot Mulroney's character, Pick me, let me make you happy. Ugh. Which, but I love that because <laughs> it's so, it's such a gender reversal that she's the wooer in this movie and he's the prize to be won. I mean, you can argue that that should never be the dynamic, no matter who's but playing with role. But it is reversal in a way, yes. considering what we know in society. But then I just hate the idea of this like woman chasing the man and like, oh, it's like The Bachelor, right? <laughs> just, oh, interesting. I hate that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the opposite. Really? You guys yeah. like it? I'm like, okay. Julia Roberts going for it all in. Yeah. And I love that she's her character is so morally messy. And mm-hmm. you never know if you're rooting for her or you hate her. I mean, at first you hate Cameron Diaz's character. She's such a sorority girl. Yes. 
but then you feel for her because he really does love her. So why shouldn't she be happy? Why shouldn't they be happy together? Um, so I think there's a lot of ambiguity in that movie that I admire that I think we still never see today, you know? And that movie was such a success that it proves you can have complicated female protagonists and the audience, you know, is there for it. What I learned from this article that I didn't know was that originally they shot a different ending in the movie, mm. which was that at the wedding at the end, Julia Roberts meets another man so that you can feel like, oh, she's still going to live happily ever after with somebody. A nice little bow at the end, right? right? Mm. And that that man okay. was played by John Corbett, mm. who was not Aiden Richard in Gere. City. Not Richard. No. Right. They had a good run there for a little bit. Um, But then they tested it on an audience and the audience hated it. Wow. Because they hated her character and they didn't think that she should get a happy ending. No way. Very interesting. Tough crowd in the 90s. You know? (laughs) And so the studio was like, let's reshoot it. So the director figured out with the screenwriter probably that um that they should not give her this fairy tale ending and just have Rupert Everett come back to rejoin her at the end and that she's kind of just reset to the beginning with her best friend. Yeah. It should be called my gay best friend's wedding. Like my gay best <laughs> my friend. My gay best friend. Period. Boom. Not nothing about right. the wedding just like how far a friend will go to back you up yeah. and be there for you. That's- I just that one moment when they're on the boat and it's like the mm-hmm. moment that passes you by, or right? Like you have to say it now, or I forget the exact line, right? When she's, when he says like, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta tell someone you like them," or yes. it might pass you by. It's like, oh, I feel, I love that line. It's mm-hmm. just like you know, I feel like you know those moments when they happen, and you don't say how you feel, right? So when you said. That Your line. eyes just glazed over. I just want to make sure the audience knows that you are very <laughs> into that scene. Wait, yeah. can I just say also, that reminds me of another one of my favorite scenes on a boat, which was in Before Sunset. Is anyone with me here? Okay. I've not seen it. Okay, but Ethan Hawke, Julie Delpy, it's the sequel to Before Sunrise. So they met traveling in Prague in the first movie. So they spent a night together. Mm. Then then they were supposed to meet again a year later. It didn't happen. Then they see each other again in Paris like eight or nine years later. And they've each gone on to live their lives. And they get on a boat and they're going down the Seine. And they figure out that when he was on his way to his wedding in New York City in the intervening years, he was thinking about her, the girl that got away. And he thought he saw a woman that looked just like her turning the corner and she goes, oh, I was actually living in New York then. I lived right there. That probably was me. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's that same feeling. It's like those moments that could have changed yeah, like, everything. It makes me think of I'm a big La La Land fan, obviously. Oh, controversial. And at the end, right? Like when she goes into mm-hmm. the jazz bar with like her new her husband that she has and it's Ryan Gosling there. And it's like the, both of their lives had they both were successful, but just not together. And mm, it's that moment yeah. when they rec- they see each other and, like, she's leaving. Oh, it's so sad. But also, she still ends up being, like, she's a huge star now. So. Right. But I like that it didn't work out, in a way. What about the notebook, speaking of Ryan Gosling? <laughs> what about it? Incredible. You just want to, to mention the notebook? <laughs> what about that? Well, I mean, it's yeah. interesting, this theme of, like, uh, you know, we're talking about rom-cons. We're going on this journey about uh-huh. what-if moments and, like, you know, purging your heart at the foot of whoever this is, whether you're Julia Roberts, whether you're Ryan Gosling, whether you're Ethan Hawke, right. like just like trying for those moments. And I think those moments are so important and that we live for those moments. Mm-hmm. And they're like, 
they're very few and far in between. So I think um, that's and, what makes them so. But successful. we don't use them. We don't do them anymore. Like we, you, as we said, we're both very emotional people. Right. <laughs> but like I don't. I, I box it up. I, I just, I have a fear of getting hurt, right? Like, I'd love to be able to be that person to take advantage of that moment. I never do. Hmm. Okay. And I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, wow. you go for it. I mean, why not, right? Why not? You so just, if you, you just, were on the boat in my best friend's wedding, you would have taken advantage of that moment and I told mean, him. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we went on the journey with Julia Roberts in that film. I don't think she really realized that she loved him yeah. until she was faced with him in this big you know, life-changing decision that he made. And it's interesting to hear what the audience thought about that at the end, but I, I do think that part of what makes it a female gaze movie is that we are with her in this complicated, messy unraveling of her, how she really feels about her best friend. Yeah. yeah. And that's 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 important. That's rich, and that's emotionally true. And I think, like, there is some value to that. And I do think, yeah, I think if anyone was on that boat, like, you almost can't, you can't keep it in. But people also don't like her because she's like the other woman, right? Like, yeah. nice relationship. Everything's going great. They're going to get married. And then, oh, in walks I this mean, old oh ghost God. from the past. I'm a, now, you're about to turn me on the movie, though. Because now I'm thinking, <laughs> like, well, why? What's wrong with her? Is it that she's professionally ambitious? Because mm. she's, what, she's Working. like 28 years mm. old and she's <laughs> like the preeminent restaurant critic or something in yeah. New York City. It's like ridiculous. But... She's a workaholic. She smokes cigarettes. She speaks her mind. There are all these things about her that are really awesome. I mean, smoking aside, whatever. But somehow in the movie, they're supposed to feel like they make her a train wreck and less yeah. desirable as opposed to Cameron Diaz, who is, is one note. Graduating yeah, college. One note. That she, but That's what she is. She's yeah. one note. She, and she wants plays to be it a well. wife yeah. to this sports caster. <laughs> Oh, I see where the tie-in oh. is. Full <laughs> circle. Oh, my God. I forgot he was a yeah, yeah. baseball game yeah, scene, yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll come back. Anyway, right. I think all these movies tie into the theory that we were talking about on our way here, Mandana, which, which is the sliding doors theory. I love that. Oh, yeah. That no matter what awesome. choice you make, you are Ooh. going to find your destiny. <laughs> the destiny chills. towards the same place. It gives me chills. Destiny we, finds you. We think we're facing all these life-altering decisions, but they're not. Everything's going Everything to work out how like it's supposed all, to in the end. Yeah. I, think I don't know about if I believe too. it, but that's, it's a theory. Do you have examples in your life where you feel like that's true? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can say that until you're dead, <laughs> right? Yeah, from beyond the grave. The, I don't can't. know what the final story is in my life. On that note, <laughs> that's my float your boat this week. All right, Julie, what do you got? Okay, so I stuck with the sports theme because that's uh, that's my deal, yeah. and I thought, okay, so I have sort of pros and cons with this example, but for float your boat. Uh, after the Super Bowl, you know, there's a lot of Super Bowl commercials and whatnot. And one that got a lot of um, attention was the NFL's 100 celebration, right? Where it's uh -huh. all these stars from past and present. It was, you know, such great entertainment. They're all fighting over this ball. And it's Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, um, Saquon Barkley, everyone. And then at the end, there's like this young girl that picks up the ball when Richard Sherman's like, oh, you know, can you give us the ball, honey, or whatever. And then she like, sneaks away and like makes a pass to Saquon and and you kind of got to first of all it was kind of confusing it was like I thought oh sh who is this person right like is this someone notable I should know and mm -hmm. then no it's this 15 year old girl from Utah who plays tackle football and then that 
that commercial acted as a vehicle for the people to understand that young girls and women play taco football, which like no one even knew. And mm-hmm. when I was in Saskatchewan, where I used to live in Canada, I used to cover a, a women's taco football league. No way. And it was great. Like they were so badass. They even asked me if I wanted to join, which I did, but like I didn't want to get a concussion or anything. So that's okay. That other side, like football in general, I have issues with yeah, sure. because okay. of <laughs> systemic masculinity and issues of CTE and uh-huh. all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like that even on the Today Show, they were talking about it and their hosts were like, oh, wow, there's tackle football for young girls. It's like, yeah, they, you know, you can, we can all do these same things as well as guys. And yeah. I I like that it kind of shone that light on it. And, awesome. um, but I also, with the commercial, I noticed there was other one other woman in the commercial. I don't know who it was, but I thought, like, there could have been more women. Yeah, athletes it's all in dudes. It. Yeah, it's just right. all dudes. <laughs> all dudes and one 15 year old girl, which didn't make any sense uh, at all. But good intentions. Good intentions. I wonder if it's like they knew the kind of thing that they should make, but there were no actual women helping make yeah. creative decisions on that commercial. Of course. Of course. And then also, I find it interesting because so many people, and this will make anyone who's listening to this podcast skin crawl, but <laughs> how there used to be this, and maybe there still is, but that lingerie football league. I don't no. know about this. Oh my god! It, yeah. Oh, it was furiously so googling this now. Disgusting, awful lingerie football league. Yes, they had teams, um, all in North America because there's ones up in Canada too. And I remember because I was doing a story on the women's tackle football team, and then I also saw there were tryouts for this lingerie football league. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna go interview them and like find out what this whole thing's about. And Obviously, the tackle football team was just like, yeah, that we that's awful. Like, that's not football. That's just like some weird publicity thing where like girls are wearing lingerie to play football. Like, how degrading, like completely. It's just some weird porn fantasy or something. Um, but I remember going to the tryouts and like asking the women. I'm like, so and like, is that why are was? you here? Like, what do you? And a lot of them were just kind of like, I like football. I want to try it. But like, this is just... They thought it was like a fitness type thing in a way. And I'm like, man, you can go down the street and try out for like a legitimate football team. Yeah. Like, do you know that? And some of them were like, oh, I didn't even know. But then others were like, you know, oh, but like, this is the cool one. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, God, like, this is awful. Mm. Okay. So who were they literally in lingerie? Yeah. You can look it up. Like, And they were buying their own lingerie? Uh, or it was provided okay, so for them? Imagine like a, a girl in like a bikini wearing pads. Uh, okay. Yeah. So they were wearing pants. And it's like very, it's like very like spray tanned, mm-hmm. uh, like makeup, Starts. all this stuff. Um, and there were men watching, I presume? Oh, yeah. It, it had like a TV deal and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I, I thought that maybe, I don't know, if you're listening, yeah, tweet us if you've heard about this thing. And But it was very big uh, probably about 10 years ago. What? <laughs> this is, uh, okay. My thing with this, though, is... I want to respect the choice of the women mm-hmm. who decided to do that. Right, because a lot of them are very good athletes, but then... But you, I want them yeah. to question their choices. Yeah. Like, you can play football without, like, having to look like a prostitute. Mm, and right. you know every guy is just, like, wanting to jerk off to you playing football. Like, right. That can't feel good, right? Right. But some people like that stuff. Yeah. That's, like, I guess why some people want to be audience strippers. For that? Right. Dudes. Of course. Like, degenerate dudes. I wonder who <laughs> advertises for it. Yeah, but let me tell you, stripping... Like monster energy. <laughs> right. Monster. Stripping is a job, okay? Yeah. Stripping is yeah. a way to make money and good for you for however you want to fucking make some money. Yes. But I'm assuming these women were not getting paid to do this. I don't think they were. Like, they definitely they weren't might... getting paid for the lingerie part. 
Yeah. I mean, that, okay. Yeah, anyway, so, yeah. Uh, but it was it was nice to, uh, uh, back on the Taco yes. Football League, like, the, you know, there's so many women that do, that, that really put their bodies online for, you know, rugby and, like, yeah. I mean, hockey, like, all these different things. And so Taco Football is just another one that not a lot of people know that there's opportunities to participate and there are a lot of awesome athletes. Right. So one good thing that came out of the Super Bowl. Thank you for helping wow, us find yeah. it. Yeah, the the good and the bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What's yours? Mine, yeah, Montana, right. what do you Okay, got? so for my boat, right? We'll yes. begin with yeah. the boat. Yeah. My boat for this week is that I've been really doing a deep dive into uh, 90s R&B <laughs> hip hop led by women. Oh, awesome. So it's been a really good kind of nurturing soul journey um, back into the days when women like we were saying with Julia Roberts and all and all of this like saying that they were down for someone Brandy's I want to be down is a classic I told Jesse this morning I was listening to it it's just such a very clear signal to whoever she's singing about that like she is down for this and um, I also think it's a bit of nostalgia to the 90s it seemed like a simpler time but it's easier to say that now and up against some of the songs that we have in modern day about how women feel about men and men feel about women and women feel about women and men feel it's like um, you know you juxtapose like uh, 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 Janet Jackson uh, or Brandy or Tony Braxton or Whitney Houston or Madonna up against Cardi B's like be careful of me you know yeah. it's like it's like whoa like you know you have this like fear suspicious like behavior in a relationship in modern day music hip-hop where I think even if you just go back a few years you know to the 90s not a few years like 20 years like that there was like a sense of um civility and 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 honesty perhaps that i'm not necessarily hearing in in the songs today so i think i've been going through the archives in an effort to get back in touch with that time yeah, i dig it yeah, yeah. i mean, you said a simpler time right simpler uh, time i mean well, erica i'm looking at your laptop right now jesse you got erica badu and one of my favorite songs that she sings is uh green eyes which is a 10 minute song that you will never get on today's radio station and it is one of the most fantastic poetic songs that you've heard about the beginning and also the end of you know her relationship she takes you on this journey and it's so vulnerable and it's so real and it's so raw um and i think i was just missing that in in today's songs which are like you know um uh, you know very very uh aggressive and suspicious Mm -hmm. and uh you know what are you doing? And yeah, what? It's, it's very uh, derogatory. Yeah. Like it's not a nice relationship. Yes, like, yeah. it's, not it's like one of my favorite lines in Cardi B's song yeah. is like, "Thought you would have learned your lesson about not re- like liking pictures, not returning texts." Yeah. And it's like this sounds really not like a healthy okay. relationship. Yeah. Can I just also put- why are you liking other yeah. people's photos and not texting Cardi B back? <laughs> what do you got to do in this world to not do that? I totally hear what you're saying, and I also prefer. R&B music from that era to now. Mm. I will say the 90s were not a simpler time. I agree. In, yeah. A lot really anyway, except <laughs> for the fact that we were younger and simpler. Perhaps then. that's what it I was miss. We didn't know a lot. We were idiots. Not so. a good decade <laughs> for women. A lot of stupid shit was happening. Fair. Um, and, Fair. But the music. Especially in the music industry. You're absolutely right. But the music itself was perhaps more emotional. I think right now we're in a moment of feeling very empowered and Angry. open to sharing our anger and in touch with our anger, which is bleeding into the music, which is good for society, but maybe bad for just when you want to vibe out to some 
emotional. That's hip-hop. very. That's a really great interpretation. No, I appreciate <laughs> oh, that, and it's true. It's like, what is it mimicking? What's happening in modern day? And yeah, like, I think I think the women that are singing now obviously are more empowering. There's a J Lo song like "I'm Not Your Mama," and it starts with her mm. in the kitchen, kind of like cleaning and making dinner for her her man and and then the news reporter takes a scene from broadcast news that was like if you're not angry and yelling oh, yeah yeah, I, yeah yeah it's an incredible music wow, video i gotta watch this yeah and i just thought whoever directed it is using these iconic like 80s 90s movies about you know being angry and and putting a female role in it and i think you're absolutely right like but still yet again it's like okay i'm not your mama like be careful of me and you're right there is that sense which is incredibly empowering and it um, but I just, I think I needed just like 10 minute break from that and yeah, just like totally. to feel myself yeah. again. Yeah. A little yeah. Lauren Hill or. Ooh, X Factor. Yeah. Wow. That, that's the best album of the last 30 years, I think. Wow. That's my number one. And that song is my favorite song on the album. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, you and I were chatting earlier about Waiting to Exhale, which because yes. fun fact, that movie was written by the same dude who wrote My Best Friend's Wedding. Wow. And that guy Connection. also wrote, his name is Ronald Bass. He wrote Waiting to Exhale, Joy Luck Club, Stepmom, mm. and Dangerous Minds. Oh, my God. And Rain Man and a lot of other amazing Step- movies. Holy this cow. dude was, like, on it. Also, so My Best sad. Friend's Wedding had a male director, <sighs> PJ Hogan. So cheers to those dudes. Men can promote the female gaze. Just side note. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Waiting to Exhale is such a great compilation of the kind of songs that you're talking Incredible. About. Yeah. One of my first soundtrack albums. There you go. You have to Junior listen high to that school. After. So much. So so rich. I would love to listen to it for the first time again. You're so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're so lucky. You're that fresh feeling here. is so real. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Time for Be in Your Bonnet. So I'll start us off. Um, I just got in the mail the new programming schedule for one of New York's great art house movie theaters, Film Forum, which I love. And so I don't want to throw Film Forum under the bus. I think it's a wonderful place. They just underwent huge renovations and it's now remodeled and beautiful and always showing amazing films. But in the schedule of movies that they're showing in the next month. It was nothing but the same old movies made by the same old dudes that have been playing in art house movie theaters since I was born. There's a Godfather trilogy. There's a Clint Eastwood trilogy. Mm. I mean, either American or foreign films. They are all directed by men, about men. I think maybe there were like four movies that were directed by women and three of them by the same woman, Lucrecia Martel, because they're doing a trilogy of her films. But it's like... To be a programmer for a movie theater, especially in New York City, in 2019, and you aren't aware of the fact that this is an issue and that people should be really consciously trying to expose people to more art made by and for women is so... It's irresponsible to the point where it almost feels intentional to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no one at Film Forum who is making choices and approving those choices who is sensitive to this i it's mind-boggling you so gotta try harder yeah just try harder guys like come on i and i love the godfather movies but programming a godfather trilogy right now just feels batshit to me mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. i think that's... you think they're just like ignorant to the fact like they hadn't even they don't think about it or there could be some revenue draw to it. Yeah. Like, oh, Godfather, it's a staple. Of course people will buy tickets to <laughs> like, that. Like, who's going to see that on, like, Tuesday? Right. I mean, especially now with the streaming and all the other ways we yeah. have to watch movies. Who's going out to the movie? I mean, you should. You should see all of these movies in the theater. Listen, I went to film school. I get it. We should see everything on the big screen. I totally appreciate that. 
but more diversity, please. That's Agreed. All. Okay. I just got excited. I like. I want to go to a movie after this now. Like, right. go check one out. It's the best thing right? to go to a fucking movie theater. We it do is it an last experience. Time. The popcorn. Basically. It's an experience. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then you're completely engrossed yeah. in it. You know, you're, you're not distracted. You're not on your phone the whole time. Yeah. Right. You're not tweeting that's while you're watching. Right. Yeah. Okay. Julie, Are we going to go got? to a movie after this? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we're just curious. And we're going to listen to Lauren Hill's. Oh yes. my God. It's going to be an amazing Best weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my bee in a bonnet also in sports was Tom Brady was interviewed by Michael Strahan. Did, right. I think it was at Disney World when he went uh-huh. um, after winning the Super Bowl. And he was talking about his daughter who was with him when he um, won the Super Bowl and he was holding the Vince Lombardi trophy. And he said, oh, yeah, my daughter really wants to play hockey. But my wife says no. Like, no way. And, like, as a hockey mm, player, as someone yeah. who has, like, really found such a great community in playing for both women's and men's teams and, like, the locker room, getting to know people and have so much fun in there on the ice, like, developing your confidence, like, a very body-positive environment, too. And, yes, it's a dangerous sport. Like, all sports are dangerous. But uh-huh. I was just like, hockey's not, like, tightrope walking or, like... I don't know, mountain biking or something. Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, man, that girl, and especially like a bunch of the U.S. women's national team players being featured at the NHL All-Star Game, All-Star Skills Competition, and like a real power behind sort of leveling the playing field in a way between men and women in hockey. I was like, what a real miss. Like, you're... Huh. Like wh- I don't know. It's just like, man, this this poor girl wants to play it, and you're not like you right. don't want to because okay, sure, yes, there are issues of concussions in sport, but right. that's like that can happen really anywhere. So I just, her father yeah. who plays in one of the biggest I know, concussions, yeah, exactly. Recept- you know. <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah, he's like throwing Giselle under the bus for it too. Also, which is yeah, funny. I know. And also, I feel bad for her because I feel like she gets asked all the time questions about him and concussions. And- yes. Yeah. Well, she's been pretty open about that, too. Remember, she was like, yeah, like, I don't want him to keep playing. And he's had concussions. And they're like, Giselle, stop it. Right. Right. Like, no, he had every football player has. Right. Every football player has CTE, I think. Allegedly. So, Tom, you stop playing football. Let your daughter play hockey. Let her play hockey. (laughs) She was she is going to play hockey. If you're listening. What does she does her mom want her to be a model or something? Right. More damaging anyway. Right. I mean, we could get into that. Yes, it's true. Okay, that's anyway, a whole other upset. Yeah. Uh, all right, good one, Montana. You know, something really bummed me out. I'm not sure if you guys saw this the other day. Uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, who runs Amazon, National Enquirer debacle. They threatened him uh, to pull the investigation, an investigation with the Washington Post. Um, and uh, they threatened him by by saying that they would publish a dick pic of his. And oh I just God. thought, uh, and he went to Medium <laughs> and he published his own kind of response to what's happening, which everyone should read. But also for me personally, uh, seeing that happen and kind of the unraveling of this, it just for me was just we are at a time right now w- with journalism just being so salacious, so lowbrow, and not even the richest man in the world can insulate himself from this kind of mud that's going on. Um, I found it to be just really... Uh, yeah. A, okay, a but we're talking about bonnet. basically the National Enquirer threatening to publish someone's dick, dick pic. pic. Right. Of course they're what going era to. are we in? No, can they publish someone's dick? No, but they've dick? always it's always been the era when they would do something like that. Yeah. 
I mean, they also said aliens are like walking the earth and that. Right. Who's buying the National Enquirer? Ser- seriously. You'd you be know? surprised, right? Yeah. And just the fact that. that- Again, America, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can say that. I can say that. I'm a visitor, basically. I think. And Julie, I don't know, Mandela, Julie, Julie, Julie. I feel like you're attacking the press right now. And w- uh, w- this podcast yeah. is not down with attacking <laughs> the press, okay? I think- They're not the enemy of our people. Julie and I went to grad school in London, and we had an amazing professor named Roy Greens Greensboro, I think Greenspan. Green, Greenspan, yeah. He would fill up the the auditorium. Yeah, it was great. He said something in one of our first like lectures of the year that American media has gone from the public watchdog mm-hmm. to the corporate lapdog. Yes, I remember that. Yes, <laughs> I was so upset when he said that. You know, I was so green and naive. And that I walked out of his class. Hmm. I walked out, you know, and it's only taken me, I think, a few years to realize exactly what he meant. And that that had to do with several things that were happening at the time. I was dealing with colleagues that had died at uh, at C, you know, from CBS by reporting in the war in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. I had seen people, you know, lose limbs, radio reporters by by trying to get down to the story. I've seen colleagues, you know, kidnapped. And I really felt like the people that were on the front line were really trying to do justice and having had a personal relationship with them being like, okay, yeah, they are really risking their lives to make sure the people on the ground know that. But then the more you get into it, the more you see this, the more that like news like that comes out, like it just, it makes you wonder what's at stake here. And um, yeah, it gave me pause about the state of journalism, of course. Yeah. Well, I guess we should always be examining it, right? Like that's, it's kind of a dual function. Like they're supposed to serve as our watchdog and we should also be their watchdog. Yeah. I mean, I think now more than ever. They have to hold the powers that be accountable. We have to hold them accountable. Yeah. But it's probably, obviously it was like easier said than done now, right? Like. Well, Just you have the like way... the history of William Randolph Hearst, you know, who ran big publishing. He he he's done a lot of that just to sh- prove that you can sell newspapers mm-hmm. that uh, he, I think he one of the famous stories is that he faked a war to show that faking <laughs> like war does yeah. sell newspapers. And um, yeah. And I think that we we don't have any media literacy right now. And that's so integral for for people. You and I are lucky, whatever. We went to grad school. We we have like this understanding. We've been able to put work in amazing places and kind of see how news is manufactured for the average American reading the National Enquirer or getting their news from, you know, sources that aren't trained with media literacy. I think they're at the risk of uh, falling into the trap and not having those tools to kind of examine the powers at play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're with you. We're with you. Sorry. (laughs) That was a a serious B. I appreciate it. It stings hard. Journalism has changed so much since we went to school, like the way that even networks I've worked for cover things now because of social media and how people consume things and people don't actually read articles they just look at headlines and like or the tweets that's it like how then even my friends who were covering the Super Bowl what stories their editors wanted them to focus on and to probe into which weren't actually you know anything journalistic or relevant at all but would be clickbait stuff too and I've been at the center of like a clickbait thing that I was you know, kind of thrown into and at the time didn't really realize what was going on other than my network really just using me for publicity. There so, you go. Yeah. And this is a nice pivot. <laughs> yes. All right. So we will be right back to talk about all of that. Yes, Julie's crazy will. life in media and sports and comedy. Uh, 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, Julie, why don't we start with us uh, asking you for a rundown of what you have been working on like in the past year? Because you've done a lot of things, but set the stage for where you're at right now in your career. Um, Okay, well, I'm kind of at a really interesting point in my career where... uh, I'm not necessarily sure where I'm going, but okay. I know. That's scary and exciting. Yeah, it's scary and exciting. It's humbling. It's refreshing <laughs> in a weird way, too, because uh-huh. it feels as though there's like a new path being created. And because I subscribe to so many stupid horoscope things, <laughs> it's yes. a big time for change for me yes. right now. Yes. Okay. So I even right got where you're supposed this to be. like weird update on my phone that was like, you're going through an intense self growth right now. I was like, yeah, I don't yeah. even know where this is from, but I was like, yes. yes. Um, I, it was me texting yeah. you. <laughs> the link from yeah. So, uh, so in the last um, year, my life has changed immensely. Uh, just over a year ago, I moved from Los Angeles to New York to work for Barstool, and I hosted a morning radio show, and that ended in May. It just wasn't the right fit, mm-hmm. and um, for people listening to this podcast would even be questioning why I worked there in the first place. We'll just say right now that, yeah, we were not meant for one another. And so uh, everything ended nicely for me in May. And then I figured out, okay, I have some time to think what I want to do and make sure that the next move is the right one because the last one wasn't the right one. Mm -hmm. And I made my last decision based on a bunch of different things that weren't the values and ideals that I should be making decisions based on. And so I've uh, traveled a lot. I actually spent a lot of time with family and friends that were going through a lot of hard stuff. And I hadn't been able to do that like my whole life. That's amazing. Yeah, especially in the crazy career I had. It was obviously always about me. And I would close myself off from other people. I'd go on these 20 day road trips, come back for two days, go for another 20 and was just like so focused on the end goal of, I don't know, being famous, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, having a really good career, but like not even knowing who I was or Mm -hmm. like anything I liked at all. And I'd just be in like a new city each weekend being like, I actually don't know what who I am. And, (laughs) you know, I've often found it really hard in my life to do those two things at the same time to Mm -hmm. really kind of blindly pursue a goal and also live my life enough that it would feed the thing I was trying to become. I, I don't. I still haven't figured out how yeah, to do and it's, it. Really. It's hard because I was like, "Oh, it's really nice. I had all this time because I didn't have a job. I could do these right. things." But I always felt like the la- probably the last eight years of my life, I was always looking to the next thing, to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I didn't have anything this past year, I was like, "What's here right now? Like, what can I enjoy right now? Who needs me that like I can spend time with?" And I learned to just like turn off my brain and my insecurities and mm-hmm. my anxiety. And be like, okay, what does this person need from me? And I had a family member who went through a lot of um, depression and anxiety and was, you know, even in the hospital for it. So I was Mm -hmm. able to go visit them and be there for them and like literally sit in a hospital with this person, no phones, no computers, nothing, and just be like, 
talking to them for eight hours, right? And just being like so present. And then uh, I had gone through another family member in the hospital and like other friends dealing with like crazy cancers, being able to travel with them on trips that they were doing or help them research clinical trials, like stuff that had Julie been in her own world and being like so Mm -hmm. self-consumed would not be, Mm -hmm. would be like, oh, hey, like if you need me, let me know. But Mm -hmm. people that need you the most don't tell you, right? right? So aside from all the benefits that gave to those people who needed you do you think that did something for you that you're going to be able to carry into the next chapter let's say if you go crazy back to work yeah I think I think it's like helped me figure out that um I just was really single-minded before Mm -hmm. like I was just like Julie eyes on the prize like go 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 Monday night you know me really well (laughs) it's been incredible I was like that in my master's but it served you well yeah it got me that's the though right like it served me well but I honestly don't think it was going to be sustainable and I think that like I could have seen people's lives come and go and not not had them right and I think that honestly I'm like a big believer in uh you know the universe and things happening and yeah, I think that it, the universe was telling me to slow down and to open up my eyes and mm-hmm. be like, hey, these are awesome people in your life and they need you and you need to figure out a way to go forward with being present with them and you can still be successful and work hard, but like remember to think about these other people and, and whatnot. And I always have been like that, but not to the point where I've completely put my anxiety and my issues away. And I pl- trust me, there was plenty of that this year. I mean, the most anxious career or moment in my life ever without knowing where your next paycheck's coming from. And yeah. luckily, you know, I did have a, you know, a severance. So I was able to, like, normally you wouldn't be able to do all these things, mm-hmm. but but I was able to. And so I also think, like, my ideas and my values changed when I lived in L.A., like, I'm I would say this out loud. I mean, I got caught up in all that Hollywood stuff. I valued things that aren't, you know, sustainable or real over actual love and personality and caring and all these things. And I was like, oh, I need to date famous people. I need to be at these parties. I have to get on the next NFL broadcast, all these things. And uh, I was deeply unhappy, I realized at the time. But those are the things I was valuing. And then now really having nothing like it's super humbling and 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 I used to think oh I need to make this amount of money like I have to make so much and then my my relationship with money has changed too I was like no you don't need all this stuff like you mm-hmm. don't need all these things like what do you actually need in the long run and sure you want to be like super successful and have make so much money but to be happy you don't actually need all that yeah. and I feel like I've had like a cleansing this year well it's funny because I think that often money will come to those who have that understanding that you've gained right, right? so like at the second that you let go of that just greedy desire is when it might actually come to you because then you're pursuing the right things for the yeah, right yeah like you're being drawn to the right things and also right. horoscope says not to worry about money so right. oh okay <laughs> well there you go <laughs> Well, then just fuck it. Forget I, about it. Then it'll be great. The yeah. journey you've been on and just how, how you described it, you know, I think you, you seem so much lighter and yeah. happier about My the mom prospects. even noticed it too. She's like, wow, I'm so impressed with like how you don't, I, I don't know, I was so in my head before and just like, I, I, I was, I would be jealous of people. I'd be angry. I'd be like, why am I not this place in my career? Now I just feel kind of like a weight being lifted that- I don't know what the next step is, but I know what I'm doing right now feels like, as you mentioned, I started kind of doing some stand-up comedy, which is just... Okay, hang on. We're not going to get there yet. But I, I want to say something. Also, the career 
that you chose, there's very few of you in it. So I'm sure you had to have like sharp elbows yeah. and just work like harder than anyone else. And you that that probably also kind of led to to a lot of the the burnout or yeah, whatever you were feeling. Yeah, I think that probably or... almost like a life burnout it was when when things ended with Barstool. But again, that was like such a positive moment in my life. Like that was a really happy ending of something. And like, I think that's when you kind of start to, you know, you have those moments in your life that, that it looks as though on paper, oh, this is not good. But you're like, no, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. Sure. And we talk about sliding doors, right? right? Like, oh, <laughs> all of these things are meant to happen to get to this point right now, mm -hmm. right? In a weird way. And in the end, you open up Goop. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm always on the verge of devoting the rest of any given episode to Just my feelings about Gwyneth Paltrow, but I'm not going to do it. Um, so how did you get started on this crazy profession in the first place? Let's go all the way back to the beginning yeah. and then let's talk about the highs and lows that you've endured since then. Mm. Okay. So I did my undergrad in Canada and I went... Um, I wanted to be a sports psychologist. Why sports? Were you an athlete as a yeah. kid? Yeah, I was okay. always an athlete. Big tomboy. Like, also that word is probably... I love to talk about this. <laughs> we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. And we just had an yeah, artist that's... on the show who's in a band called Tomboy, and we didn't really get I into it. I love that band. It's, they're awesome. They're so rad. That but that is a very interesting word. has become word. Yeah. kind of controversial. I think the argument that I've heard is that because it defaults a girl who likes to play and like wear shorts as something that's inherently male. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, they're now using that word now is not kosher. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I'm, I'm making this face with these big eyes because my friend just did a documentary in uh, Afghanistan about how young girls are actually cutting their hair to look like boys so that they could play out longer outside wow. before, before they have to don the burqa. Oh my God. And there's a whole like kind of subculture of young girls that want to play with the boys and want to be outside and don't want to be in the kitchen and tied down. So I think that's really interesting given that we were just talking about tomboys and having grown up a tomboy yeah. as well with short hair as well and just um yeah i was such a tomboy i don't have bad feelings about the word but i get the argument I yeah mean, i could see it now being just because we've kind of you know we're a more thoughtful. woke society yeah that we can kind of discuss these things like oh what would be problems with this word but I or, guess. Let, or let's assign a subsection to girls who don't like to play outside. Let's assume the normal is that everyone is the same. Mm -hmm. And then if you deviate, then we can give you a different name. I don't know. Yeah, That's a problem, can, right? It's yeah. like if you name something, it makes it an other. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to just everyone being on the same playing field to start. Okay. Anyway. But yeah, so I was always a like a, a kid that <laughs> was, uh, you know, I, I love sports. I uh, was a competitive figure skater growing up. And then... I realized how that's kind of why I wanted to do sports psychology because I was really messed up as a skater. Like I broke so many bones and when I would come back, I wished I had been able to see a sports psychologist because I would, if you know, if you've watched figure skating before, you know, skaters skate around and then they set up for a jump and then they'll go do a jump and, and in practice. And I was so in my head that like everything had to be perfect before I'd go into a jump. Like no one could be skating, else could be skating by. And if they were like, I'd, I wouldn't do it. I was like everything and I would huh. skate around for like hours just not doing it like like not being able to get myself to just do it and I'm okay. like I obviously had a lot of issues like mom gonna but you didn't know at the time right yeah. you're like oh whatever Julie's wasting her time out there you know um but then I started running and I 
was oh getting my name in like the newspaper and all this stuff and I was like screw figure skating I was coming last all the time I was like puking on the ice I was so nervous like I have so many awful awful memories wow. of skating oh yeah um so Do you like, have anxiety issues in general as a kid no but okay. like uh, probably <laughs> like I mean it sounds like obviously <laughs> puking on the ice I don't know I would get so nervous like yeah. I'm trying to work on a bit on it but it's so ridiculous like I would get so nervous I would puke while I skated in how old were you uh like 13 wow yeah yeah has that anxiety cropped up in other parts of your life or that was specific to sports yeah I, I I don't know. I have a nice, healthy amount of general anxiety sure. on the reg. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but you're not like walking down the sidewalk puking when you no, think about no, a no. meeting or something. Oh, or, no, okay. no, no. None of that. And like I've learned so much with sports. So then like running, I was a sprinter, did that in college as well. Uh-huh. And then I I, went, I was a hockey player when because I could skate uh, around 13. I started actually playing on a guy's hockey team. Um, Were you the only woman? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and that was when actually I used to change in the same locker room as them because we were all like still kids essentially and then it was like okay <laughs> at 13 yeah <laughs> 13 i mean i know that's actually a pretty the, dicey area <laughs> yeah i'm sure the boys were not unaware that you were a girl like, changing uh, locker room yeah like okay i guess julie should probably have but then i had my own locker room which sucked because like then you could the locker like, room is so fine like right. that's where everyone is like yeah. their most authentic self yeah, of right. just like banter yeah. did you have to fight to get on that team or no nope. uh, my mom just signed me up and they're yeah. like sure Cool. It's an all guys team, but they've had girls before. Okay. I know. I'm sure they're like, yeah, you know, there's a women's league like down the road, but sure, if you want to be at this one, Um, it was close to my house. And then, uh, yeah, always like was just sports, sports, sports my whole life. And and my mom's not really very sportsy, but but my dad was uh, an Olympic rower, but Canada pulled out of that Olympics in 1980. Oh, bummer. Which is like a real... It's like the worst thing he told me that's ever happened to him, like mm. which it would be. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and so then I was definitely going to do sport sports in some way. Okay. Did sports psychology, and then in my second year, which is what we call it in Canada, second year, <laughs> I guess here, year. sophomore year. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I'll translate. In high somewhere. school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, of university. Oh, university. College. Oh. My mom, yeah, my mom was a radio broadcaster for CBC in ah, Canada. Ah, I've and, heard of CBC. Yeah, the CBE. And so she was like, "Hey, honey, like, why don't you, why don't you join like a club or something at school? Because I had all these like weird, crazy roommates I live with, and it was really toxic. I need to get out of the house." And so I was like, "Okay, I'll go to CFRC, the the radio station." I went there to volunteer, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't have any more volunteer spots. Sorry." They're like, well, you can try the TV station if you want. And I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought about the TV station. So I went and they're like, hey, come on in. We need someone to do a thing on coffee houses tomorrow. Are you available? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, so I don't good. even know how to do this thing. And then I remember preparing for it and like wearing my blazer, yes. like my TV person. I know that blazer. What yeah. the hell does reporting on coffee houses mean? <laughs> that sounds so boring. What was the story? I was like, we're going to analyze the menu or whatever. Like, what's the hot? Ticket here at the common ground. How oh do we God. like find the archival? Oh, yeah, please. I have some of my stuff. Can we insert it into the show? Is so, so bad. Like when I went to Fox Sports one and I was working with people, some girls honestly just walked in and were just naturally really good. They're like, yeah, I, you know, I took communications and I tried this and I'm, I'm here now. Me, no, like those tapes are just so awkward. I remember I interviewed. <laughs> I was like, I was like, so are you a goalie? She's like, yeah, I'm a goalie. I was like, 
how do you how do you like being a goalie? <laughs> like just just bad, bad, bad. And then I'd like kick a soccer ball at the end, right? Like I would always do the thing I was at. Oh um, my god! But yeah, and then I just started doing it a lot, and and kind of like. You know, doors kept opening, and so how and did you tailor it into sports? Doors didn't open; you kicked them. Yeah, down. I I made those doors exactly. Uh, I just was like, okay, cool. This this common ground thing was great, and I did something on like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> and like whatever, like student events were happening, uh, and I was like, cool. I'm gonna do something on like the squash team this week, or and I was on the track and field team, so I was like, oh, can we? And I just, but. I did not have a good relationship with the football team there. And Why? I ended up writing a piece about it when I was at school. But, uh, and I thought about sending it to you. I haven't, but I went to go interview my university's football team and had set it up and all this stuff. And I had, you know, we waited at the end. I'm interviewing the quarterback. And all the whole team just like gathered around, like, you know, it's like 53 guys or something. And, as I'm interviewing the, the the quarterback, like this, I felt something weird was going on. Oh, I know, and I looked over, and my boyfriend at the time was the camera guy, and I was like, I he, I could see him like looking around too. We we're kind of like, what's going on? And they had some of them had taken their pants down and they had their dicks out. Oh no! Yeah, what? and they were like swinging their dicks around, and some of them were on the ground like humping. And I remember being like, what is going on right now? And I just finished it, and we we're like, okay, bye. And me and Dan, um, my boyfriend at the time, we were just walking back like in silence and we were like, what just happened? And we just like were we were stunned and we we're like, that's we're canning that. And then we went to our head of our TV station. We're like, you know what? Like a really uncomfortable thing happened. Mm-hmm. And I ended up uh, writing a note to the head to the football coach. I believe this is how it went down. Um, and I was like. Yeah, you know, I felt really uncomfortable interviewing like your quarterback the other day, and I felt as though to I was like, say the least, really unprofessional, and like we work really hard, and we obviously don't get paid, like we're doing this for free. And he's like, Julie, if you want to be able to work in this environment, you have to learn how to take this kind of behavior. Wow. And I remember being like, fuck, oh. and, him. And, and he like cc'd like all these people. I took that and I went what? to the head of the athletics department, and I was like, this is extremely inappropriate he's condoning this sexual harassment yeah and And, gaslighting you yeah and so then she looked at it and was like yeah this is a huge problem they ended up he ended up having to write like a handwritten formal apology to me and the camera guy and then but and i and i we decided not to cover the football team again after that we were our whole station we're like yeah whatever like no we're not giving you our time and resources and then i was doing my master's in um, on women sports broadcasters because at the time, like, there wasn't really, I mean, what, it was 2009. It's not ages ago. Ten years ago. But it oh, still... A lot has changed very fast. Wait, what was your thesis? It was just, like, um, basically sexual harassment of mm. female sports broadcasters. And it was on TV. It wasn't a radio one because there's also, I think, radio is a very interesting domain in itself because there's no, it's not image-based, right? right? And TV is. And... So, but in doing my research for it, I just became like really frustrated and upset with the stuff I was reading in some of these journals that I wrote my piece on the football team. Wow. And I sent it into the Queen's Journal, the newspaper. I was like, yeah, I just had this like opinion piece that happened. It happened a couple years ago, but like, and I remember they they were very excited. Like anything about harassment of football team is like front page news, yeah. right? And then I remember putting it out there and I got a lot of um, like, readers and whatnot. I had a couple people on the football team being like, I want to talk about this with you. Like, I don't like this. I'm like, I'm not 
going one-on-one with like a member of the football team. Then. So I'm not your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not going to process this Wait, with were you, you still in school at the yeah. time? It was in my fourth Holy year, shit. my senior year. There. Did the school reach out to you about it? Uh, yeah, and the athletics director came up to me when I was doing like hockey and and he was like, hey, I just want to make sure that like we all read the piece, obviously, and that was not good at the time. He hadn't been working there. He's like, we want to make sure that like going forward – you're okay. Oh, they must have been terrified oh, yeah. of you. <laughs> terrified. They were like, well, Good for do. you, dude. That is And then they amazing. reprinted it by accident twice. Like, it was in the next week. Oh, so my God. Like, Just in case you didn't read yeah. it last week. Yeah, maybe there's some woman who is like, I'm going to put this in Recast. there a second time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, this needs to be out there again. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I've always... Damn. And I've... Um, you know, and since I think in the last year with a lot of the Me Too revelations, like, I've always... I said this on my radio show... Honestly, every step of the way, I have been sexually harassed. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think, I think, I think almost every woman in this industry has been harassed. I remember saying that, and some guys like, "Oh, like, there's no way, like, Julie's just like spurting out hyperbole." Everyone's like, "No, we are harassed literally like every day by someone." I mean, given the fact that most women in life are harassed, yeah. then yes, I think it would be exceptionally high yeah. the number in sports. That and are it's harassed. just like because the world of sports, as I've said, is just like so much um, like aggressive masculinity and supporting this like toxic testosterone that when they see a woman, they're like trained to just like treat her like some object, not like any other part of the world where that wouldn't necessarily that wouldn't be okay but this is like oh supported and and championed and all this stuff and so yeah it's been like it has been an uphill battle and if like I have really really thick skin about it and just I have a really weird relationship with men I'd say now because I just like view all of them as that like the enemy so I'm Uh, like what do you want from me like I'm ready to go okay I have so many (laughs) thoughts right now I'm like where the hell do I even begin with you okay why stay in that industry given all of that? Is it because you just love sports so much? Well, what is it? I love I love sports a lot. I love the job a lot, but I also didn't want to give up. Like I didn't want to give them yeah. it, you know? Yeah, but it must be making you happy ultimately, right? Yeah. Or it, it's not worth being a martyr. Just yeah, to prove yeah a point. I mean, the job definitely, like the adrenaline of being on air, getting to interview people and having them open up, like there's nothing better than having an interview, right? And someone actually like gives you an honest response and you get something out of someone else. It's, it's a really cool moment. But um, sure, but you could be interviewing any number of professions. I just love sports and that you just never know what's going to happen. Like yeah. any single thing can happen and so many different storylines can, can come out that you don't know in the next 90 minutes, right? right? And the personalities, the characters, and especially under the competition and the stress. And yeah, I love the adrenaline of I feel when I'm a broadcaster, like say on the sideline, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm almost, that's me playing in the game, right? Like you're getting prepared for it. You're, it's like you're actually in it. Right. Um, so there's similarities to just the actual of sports. So that's why I feel like I, in my time off, I was like, oh, do I want to continue in sports? Is this a time to be looking elsewhere? And I was like, no, I love sports. Like, I yeah. just love it at its core. And I feel like I'd be missing that if I went into something else. And look, it it needs people like you who can be agents of change within it, right? So yeah. as long as you still love doing it, then yeah. I'm so happy that you're doing it. I think also, too, it's like sports. Well, I don't know. Especially, again, during this Me Too time, like, Honestly, every female sports broadcaster has been harassed by a coach, an athlete, an executive, a male colleague. And 
because those people control our future and our information and everything that we get, no one no one has spoken out about right, it. Right, like the reckoning has not really hit the sports world. No, yet. like I've had athletes offer me information in exchange for like videos of myself naked. Like I have even, I have text messages, like screenshots of very prominent people asking me to send like a naked photo of myself in exchange for contract details. And it's like so disgusting, right? Like, do you know colleagues in the industry who have done that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's how these systems of harassment maintain is that some women feel like they need to do that to get a leg up and they will do it. Yeah. And it's and it's like I don't want to hate the player, hate the game more so because it's like. They, these like coaches and these athletes like feel entitled Mm -hmm. and they want to get like they know the get like everyone knows this business like we make our living off of scoops and information and Mm -hmm. they have that. So Mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, well, what do I get out of this? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, especially because you're not in the boys club. Right. So you're probably not like going to strip clubs with them (laughs) or whatever the fuck else they do together. That is another way that reporters can get Mm -hmm. tips or get on the inside with people. So so what do women have? What's their option? Yeah, it's it's pretty tough. tough. Like when I I covered a team and I was on the um, the charter with them. Honestly, I would keep my eyes down all the time. Never make eye contact with them like in unless we were on air or I was doing interviews in the locker room. I wouldn't even talk to them because of optics like every Every person already thinks that, like, I've slept with the entire team. So, like, as as a baseline. And they've already created all these storylines. So you can't, as a female, like, like a male reporter could go up to, you know, they're waiting for the plane or or whatever. Pat him on the back. Hey, yeah, what was that? Like, oh, how come you weren't in warm-ups earlier today or whatever? Oh, get information, develop some sort of um, camaraderie. Hey, can I grab your number? Be great to just ask you a couple questions later. Sure. If I do that, I'm dead. They'll probably be like, oh, she just like wants to suck his dick or like uh, that. Oh, that's how she broke that story. Blah, blah, blah. She's such a slut. And you're like, OK, well, I can't win. So I'm just literally going to be like this weird robot that can't look at any player or else, mm-hmm. you know, it's over. So it's pretty bad. And I'd like to I think now I don't want to get blackballed from like the industry, but like speaking out about it is good because yes. then people like realize it's like really toxic worlds that's how change happens yeah you have to trust that there are enough good actors out there actors meaning people in the space that that won't be put off by that and will appreciate that and that it will help you in the long run i mean do you also feel because you mentioned this thing about on camera versus radio that you are expected to present yourself a certain way yeah but then that's just gonna make this even worse for you yeah it's like you basically have to be like a somewhat respectable like prostitute in the world (laughs) like you have to have like the hair and the lashes and the fake tan and the clothes that are professional but still sexually suggestive enough that like you're kind of this barbie that's there wow look at everyone like i get mistaken for so many people because we all look the same because that's like the prototype Mm. of what you need to look like and even I was trying to write a joke about this but it's it's too like sports broadcasting is like too real and too soon it's like you can't even make jokes about it because it's like oh it's so filled with harassment and like all this shit 
excuse my language. Um, it's fine, it's a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what I'm allowed to say. <laughs> Everything. Uh, is that, like, guys can be on air till they die, right? And yeah. they don't really have to care what they look like. But as soon as, like, the clock hits 40, like, you're sent out to greater, like, greener pastures. And, like, Betty White's not on the sideline, you know? Like, but, but a guy that old could be in the booth forever. And so there is just... Um, Oh, God, you just made me want to take back what I said about that my best friend's wedding picture that I said the women look so amazing. But why (laughs) do they look so they look so amazing because they look like they did 22 years ago because you have to. And the guys have been able to let themselves go gray ingrained. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm sorry. It's like too much to almost like do all here. But it's a little taste of all this. stuff. But yeah. yeah, there's a lot of issues with this like. This world, but I do think, you know, you see people like Holly Rowe and, um, uh, God, I'm like, and that's it. Uh, and, um, <laughs> you know, there's like Andrea Kramer and like a lot of different people that are kind of, um, who's this play by play again? I like, my mind is, I've totally forgotten for uh, Beth Moen's, like, and there's women that, and obviously people like Linda Cohn and Hannah Storm who have had to, and a storm. And you're so much more than like mm. someone that I'm saying like me. But I think I can call, BS on it a little bit more because I well I'm not in it right now but I'm seeing it at the precipice like even me I'm 31 and I'm kind of being looked at as like eh, you're kind of getting a little old there honey you know and you're like what like I just knew I just started yeah like what um do you ever get wrong presumptions about your sexuality oh yeah all the time of course yeah. and like as I said people just like assume that you are like a slut basically right. okay. they're like oh oh you like hanging around the locker room right you're like that's where my interviews take place so yeah I do hang around the locker room yeah. for they, quotes do they ever assume that you're gay because you're a woman in sports um no no Not, no no okay. no I don't think and like ah man I'm trying to think like I I know a couple people that aren't out that are in the world, but mm-hmm. like, because I wonder how that can work for you or against you too. To kind of draw the line, you think is that what yeah, you're thinking? Yeah, well, yeah, but then are you going to get yeah, less attention from male athletes? No, but they would do it. And they'd be like, "Oh, well, maybe we can have a threesome." Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, yeah. I don't think they'll still find a way to objectify. Them. Of course, you, right? like, yeah, yeah, it won't stop them. They'll be like, "Oh, like, right, like." who's your girlfriend? Like, is she hot? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, maybe I want to take a look at her. And you're like, that that's exactly how these right. conversations would go down. Yeah. Just everything is so sexually charged. Right. All the Seems time. like but, 90% yeah. of your work is just combing through that. Yeah, and the like, 10% is getting the quotes, getting yes. the work. But how often of do you get to cover women athletes and women's um, sports? So and- when, when I worked the Women's World Cup in 2015, it was the best experience I've ever had in, yeah. in the industry. And... It was so good because I actually was able to have like conversations with people without it being like about this weird power exchange or like sexuality exchange. It was like, hey, and I got to meet them and be friends with them. And like I'm friends with some of the women on the uh, team Columbia, right? Like and England and, and all these places. I still talk to them all the time. I was like, wow, is this what it's like to be a guy covering dude sports? Like you could just talk about sports. Yeah, we're like friends and, and we talk about stuff and yeah. like cool and no one thinks that we're having sex like like in 10 minutes after this God. interview and so 
and they were so strong and powerful and they were all these like cool gladiator women that you're like wow also they're not rolling around on the ground as much in soccer they're just like yeah I'm getting up and going <laughs> like it was so good and I would love to cover it again this year and, and also the women's um hockey too I've done a lot of that as well and I know a lot of those um ladies too because I played hockey with some of them back in the day and they're uh-huh. just like so cool right yeah. and it's just a to- it's a totally different world it's just like oh here's another reason why we should pay more attention to women's sports because it's not a business that is this festering cesspool of toxic masculinity yeah. Yeah. and abusing women I mean I'm sure that women abuse other women but to a lesser degree yeah uh I did want to ask to put maybe hopefully a more positive yeah. uh lens on this um not that that isn't all so like, important to know. Awful world. But I'm just thinking about your work and in terms of kind of what this podcast is about. I would be curious to know what you think being a woman adds to what you're able to do in your job. You know, that perspective of being a woman in the world in terms of the stories that you're trying to get out of people and the conversations that you have with people. Yeah, I think I saw it most clearly when I worked at Barstool because the way I went about my business was obviously very different than the way they do theirs. And when I left, I had a couple people who work there. Some of the guys reach out to me on Twitter, direct messaging, just saying, hey, you know, thank you so much for like being nice to me and lending an ear when I went through this difficult time and like no one else in here would ever do that and that mental. And I had a couple guys reach out like that. And I thought I was just being me. That would be anyone just being themselves. But you mean people that you were working with or yeah, people, people that currently work at Barstool that were okay. like, oh, you had me on your radio show and you didn't patronize me like everyone else. Like you actually listened to what I had to say and like mm. gave me respect and I was like, wow, that's so basic. Like, mm-hmm. that's just any person in their world. But that almost wasn't what they were used to. They're used to, like, this weird bullying, antagonizing, awful environment. Um, right. Which is, like, a whole other thing. But I find that, the like, I, I don't want to put, like, a gender on skills and attributes. But I find sure. that the ability to listen and to respond in a way that's like, appropriate and to just like you guys are so great right now listening to me just like ramble on but like if there was a guy in here right now try to insert himself maybe into it maybe not hear as much of what I'm trying to say yeah not trying to also say that every guy would do no, that totally but... but I also think there's a natural thing that happens between men where there's a little bit of a one-upmanship or a trying to yeah. impress one another uh, whereas in an interview really the most important thing is to enable someone to tell their story and right. to listen to what they're saying. So I do think we're generalizing yeah. again, not all men, whatever, but I think women are more naturally inclined to be good at that than men are. It's just it's just part of yeah. our skill sets. And it's I, expected and f- of us maybe too much in society that we're supposed to just listen yeah. and assist other people, you know. But it, it's also part of being empathic and being emotionally intuitive that makes for a good conversation. Yeah, and I think because in the world of, say, sports, you know, you've had to climb so hard to get there. You've had mm-hmm. to show people that, like, you know, twice as much, that you can hang, that you that, that you wanted a lot, that, that you're already innately working hard. Your brain's, like, almost working harder than every other guy in that room. Yeah. So say I was doing – say we had a, an athlete in here and you guys are both men – and, uh, and we were all interviewing this person. Like, I've already been thinking two or three steps ahead because I have to, mm. right? Because yep. they're going to ask, like, you know, the normal questions because 
why would they think they have to like work harder For themselves yeah right <laughs> whereas you're like okay wait like i've done all this extra research and i can make connections between this and this and that'll bring out his personality or we could play this like this fun game that will also do this and you're already thinking like because you have to work so much harder because yeah. everyone assumes you're an idiot they're like oh you're blonde hair and boobs why would you know anything about sports yeah and you're like okay well now i have to I have to like do so much work to show them that you do know. Right. So. And you do do your work. We've worked a little yeah, bit together yeah. and I was blown away. But <laughs> well, I know thanks. there's a lot of work that goes into that in addition to just the knowledge that you carry around. Yeah, it's a lot. And, uh, and you know, I commend literally every other like people always think that we're all in competition. Like all of us. This is what I also hate, like the patriarchy that puts us against one another. It's like, oh, there's only one female allowed to be in this broadcast. Right. Or, oh, you must hate her because she got that NFL job. You're like, why? Like, I'm happy she got it. Like. I wish there were more of us that could be there together. And I even wrote that in my piece back in 2009. I was like, that's what we're not competing against each other. We're trying to get more of us here. Like we want to open the door for more people to get in. Yeah. Um, And so, but I hate when guys like, oh, even when I was doing stand up last night, there was one other woman there and I could just see kind of the guys were like, oh, like there's two girls here. Like there can only be one, mm. you know, like, no, there should be more of us right. here. They think it's better because <laughs> they're making a joke about it, but it's still fucking real. So it's not actually yeah, that funny yet. Uh, before we get into the comedy yeah. thing, I was just hoping you could share with us uh, some great professional thing that has happened to you, an awesome interview or something that you covered or just like give us a taste of why you love doing it. Um, I would just track back to the Women's World Cup. Like that yeah. was the thing that reminded me how great sports are when you take away all the bullshit. Who um, were you working for then? When you Fox Sports it? 1. Okay. Yeah. And because I was put on the, um, I didn't cover USA because an executive told me it was because I wasn't American. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't it's cover America. Male executive. <laughs> yeah, of course it's a male executive. But that let me cover the 23 other teams. And there so go. I got to meet awesome women from Germany and France and Cameroon and all these places that I normally would never have probably in a sports world like ever gotten to talk to and you know, they knew a bit of English. I was trying to learn a little bit of their language so I could understand kind of what they're saying. And and it was just like a feel good moment. It was in Canada, my home country. And it was just like a celebration of just like sport and women doing sports and doing well and the whole world watching it. And like 25 million people watched USA in the Women's World Cup final, which was like more than so many other events. And that was like it was, the whole thing just felt really good. Um, and so that was a real positive. And yeah, that would be Love it. Yeah. It's great. All right. So this comedy thing. Yeah. So you had some time off. Yeah. And you probably, because you're such a, a doer, you felt like you needed a challenge. I needed like a distraction just, from my mind. You couldn't just take care of all of the needing <laughs> ill people in your life. You couldn't just fly off to foreign lands to help nurse people through their severe illnesses. You needed... I needed to learn that how to be professionally funny. I needed that adrenaline rush that I had been missing and craving from performing. Yeah. And uh, when I was doing improv, in your early levels of improv, you have to do monologues based off the suggestion to draw premises for scenes. It's kind of just like... It, it's an early stage thing. So I always was the person to go up and tell monologues. And people were like, man, you got a lot of crazy stories in your life. And you like telling them. And you have a broadcast background. Why don't you do stand-up? Because that would be... 
the natural progression. I was like, sure, that sounds like a great idea. And then I'm like, wait, I've actually never wanted to do this in my life. Why am I here? So I took a class, which was great. I like, if anyone wants to do stand-up comedy, go take a class. I mean, some of them are kind of expensive, but... It, it forces you every week to come with like two or three minutes. You do it in front of your class, which is a safe place. And then people offer suggestions on how to make your punchlines better. Da, da, da. And then you get to perform at like a big comedy club, which is like your dream. If you are, if that is your dream. And it was that your dream. No, Julie? no. <laughs> but even, you got it anyway. Even before I went on, I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, how did I end up here? Did you, did you puke before you went <laughs> yeah, on stage? Yeah, I know, right? It's I a- thought about telling that joke like in there. Like, I got to get everyone like raincoats in the front row or whatever. <laughs> um, but it's it's fascinating because I think with radio and podcasting and personality, comedy is such a nice complement to sort of all that stuff. And writing. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. It consumes me all day, like every day. Joke writing? Everything is content. Like any single thing in the world is content. So you're like, okay, that like you just have to content, be. Content like. Like For everything is material. Yeah. Meaning? Oh yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. Like you can make a joke off Nor of anything. Nor everything is copy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. And so, like, when you're walking down the street, I just am a bit more aware of like, oh, that was kind of weird that that happened, or like, why do I always, like, why am I always like a pigeon? Like the pigeons, like fucking make me psychopath. Like I, I like can't be around them. So it's like, okay, that's a weird thing, right? So like, you just start writing stuff in your phone. Any little thing. You're out with someone. They say a weird line. You're like, wait a second. That's like inspiration for. And the hard part is you have so much. Like I have so many ideas, but then you have to sit down and just write it. Like sounds like it's teaching you to be mindful. Yeah, it is. Like be aware of what's going on and like what's happening. But and the, how you feel about it. Yeah, and but the hard part was um, my audience yesterday. So I went second, which was great. They just pull your name out of a hat because so the, everyone's there. No one's left yet because they're all waiting to go on. And it's just comics at this open mic. So you go test material, just see how it if it lands or not. And I did sports broadcasting ones. I was like, I did stuff on trolls um, Mm -hmm. about like the guys that slide into my DMs, which I was like, probably all of you guys here that are calling me a Sasquatch bitch. (laughs) And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, it is you guys. (laughs) Like, Wow. Anyone who's at a 430 Thursday open mic is sliding into my DMs because they don't have a job. There's that that famous (laughs) saying like uh, tragedy plus time is comedy. Yeah. Is that how you've been kind of processing a lot of the... Yeah, well, the thing is, is like I almost can't. Trauma. Yeah, I can't say a lot. Like I'm still trying to figure out what my voice is yeah. and like what is my character, uh-huh. right? Because people look at you and they assume certain things, and you go up there and they're like, you know, what? Who are you? Why are you here? And we've never seen you before, and so you have to kind of get on their level, be a little self-deprecating, but you also don't want to come across as a loser, mm-hmm. like. You want to make fun of other people and things, right? <laughs> um, and then I did stuff on like, yeah, how our interviews are in the locker room. So I have like a bit on that. That that killed. Any sports jokes I did last night killed. Really? Like, yeah. And Where I was, was like, it? Where did you perform uh, last night? Laughing Buddha. It's the Climate Lounge on East 7th and 1st. Okay. And so I was like, great. You just go. You pay five bucks and uh-huh. then you can go on. And uh, But then I did a bit on um, having my fake period where I, I actually used... Like, when I haven't wanted to hook up with people, I tell them I'm having my period. <laughs> right? But have you ever gotten the response, I don't care? Yeah, that happens. And, and then, then what do you do? Well, what happened was, like, I committed to having it. And then I was like, I don't want it anymore. And I told the guy, I was like, all right, I don't have it. And he was like, what? 
Surprise. Surprise. He's, and and most men don't know how periods work. So no. like, he's like, but oh, yeah. okay, it's over now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it's done. Um, but yeah, there is the like back where like guys are like into it or yeah. whatever, which is right. like kind of messes up the whole thing. But then that <laughs> joke last night did not land at all. It was oh. crickets. But then I'm like, okay, everyone in here. He's like a 24-year-old dude mm. who's like, mm-hmm. oh, she said period. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have to stop listening if they hear And I was period. like, okay, great. That That's my time. Thank right. you. I'm Julie. But so, but then the, this guy, I, I tweeted about it last night, but this guy came on a couple times later and his joke was, I, I basically ruined his joke by my whole set being like about sports because he came on and he was like, yeah, well, you know, the Super Bowl was like pretty bad and but the girls at our party like they liked it because they didn't know what was going on oh no and i remember i was like sitting there being like mm-hmm. oh yeah continue with this and he like looked at me and he's like well like i can't really do this joke now because that girl just came up and told a todd Gurley joke whatever <laughs> <laughs> and he's like but what i would say because he wanted i guess to still try this joke was oh i tried to explain it to them like an episode of keeping up with the kardashians and like he started he was just like rambling he's like eh that he didn't failed. work out. I was like, yeah, you can't. It's 2019. You can't make jokes about how girls don't understand sports. Julie, <laughs> I am so like in awe of you right now. Like no. the fact that you are, you know, not only publicly inserting yourself in these like, like you could call them arenas, yeah. right? Arenas that are dominated by not only narratives led by men, but mostly the audience, yeah. mostly men. And yeah. then you're just keep putting yourself on the front line to just do it and you're forcing yourself to tell those stories um, with everything you've got. It's hard. It's but the you're hardest changing. Shit. You're making him think, exactly. right? You made him think his new joke strategy, I right? Know. And yeah, that, that's true. It's, it's and amazing. I, yeah, that's fair. When you think about it like that and then a couple guys came up and like every time they'd reference a Super Bowl, they like, well, we know that girl watched it yeah. because she told some jokes on it. And I was like, okay. I was in their heads. I was in their heads. Because they're like, oh, we can't be these like sexist pigs in here anymore. Because this girl just totally schooled us. Julie's coming for you. One comedy then, club at yeah. a time. <laughs> but then I'm like, maybe it was almost, I think they were shocked by my like BDE up there. But which is <laughs> also a term that like, I feel like we, need to, have, like, we need to have a BVE. <laughs> Big dick energy. Yo! <laughs> but we need a big vagina energy. Yeah. 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 You got it. Yeah. You got it. I got big vagina energy, guys. Right. Um, I should oh, work on a bit damn. on that, too. I'm so proud of you. That's no, awesome. thanks, guys. I still have no source of income, but we're trying. I'm like really You're behind changing lives, changing minds. <laughs> I'm behind this comedy career right now. Yeah, but you can't make any money doing well, it. Well, ramen is still 79 cents a pack. Yeah, you're, so right. you're you fine. Mm-hmm. It'll kill you early, but yeah, <laughs> you'll have done some good work before then. It's like very romantic. You know? Yeah, exactly. Do you Anyways. know our grad school illegally used a photo oh, of yeah. Julie on the <laughs> London tube? Yeah, what people. People were messaging me being like, Yo. As an ad? Yeah. Yeah, they were like, come to City University. We've had great alumni, <laughs> Julie Stewart Binks. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. yeah, and they had a photo of her that they didn't approve Yeah, they, like, And the photo, ironically, it was like, I covered the Super Bowl from some bar in Denver years ago, and we didn't have a mic flag, so we had to use like a Mardi Gras bead that said Fox Sports 1, and we taped it to the mic. Because there's no mic flags ever that say Fox Sports 1. They just say Fox Sports. So in this picture is like me holding this microphone yeah. with this like thing on it. And it's not even like a real photo. Yeah. And it's it was Plastered everywhere. Plastered on all the tubes Did in, you in, in, ask in for compensation no, or for them to take Brendan, it Brendan, one of our professors, was like, yo, this is not right. Like, you should be figuring this out. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm pr- I was just like lazy. Like, I'm probably, I probably signed away my image rights when I 
did my master's, right? right. And we paid them for <laughs> yeah. it. We we're like, take our money. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, but uh Well they were proud of it. Back you, in the so. day I was big on the tube. There you go. It's huge. <laughs> well hopefully you'll I'm rise not, to that level yeah, of fame. Yeah, I'll, again. Be, I'll be back. <laughs> When's your next show? Uh uh you can you can catch me at the New York Comedy Club. Um uh, Saturday, February 16th, actually going to be opening for Janine Garofalo. So. Whoa! <laughs> and I love how I say opening, but it's like a bunch of random people and then Janine Garofalo and um, Jeff Lawrence, who's a other comedian. They're like the headliners. She's Fucking hilarious. Amazing. I hope you get to talk with her. And yeah, like... so I, all I did was just submit a video from Caroline's because I was like, why not? I'll just try. And they were like, yeah, you're booked. And I was like, great. I, I know what I'm doing like... February 16th. <laughs> Yeah, that's but I'm amazing. gonna try to keep doing it more. Um, what it, comedy's like this awful snowball where you're like, I don't know how I'm in here, and then like I can't get out of it, but I keep getting opportunities. So you're like, okay, I might as well go through these doors, right? Universe. Hey, listen, Julie, <laughs> out the gate, six months, maybe even less into comedy, and you're opening for Janine Garofalo. Yeah, they, they, but they probably made a mistake. Watch right? out, Miss Maz Mazel. <laughs> yeah, watch out, Mrs. Marvelous Mazel. Right. Yeah, anyways, okay. Okay, so uh, before we let you go, we're going to force you to do a round of the hot takes wheel. Yes. Okay. So give it a hard spin. It's going to land on a topic submitted by listeners, and then we're all going to go around and give our hot take. Okay, yay. Look at this wheel. (laughs) That was a really bad spin, and I don't know if it- Do you want to give it one more? Give it one more spin. Give it a hard. I'm serious, hard. I'm like, which hand do I want to spin with? There you go. (laughs) Beautiful. Ah, AOC, are you a fan? This is referring to Alexandria yeah. Ocasio-Cortez, wow. who has become yeah. controversial, mostly on the right. Uh, she's our congresswoman from New York and has become the shining light of the left of the left, the the progressives of the Democratic Party. She is, what, 29 years old? Something, Something like that. Very young. Um, she wore a white cape jacket to the State of the Union. So it looked like they the just superhero look many people think they she is. They looked so badass sitting there, just like All rolling the their white. eyes, like everything. Also, yeah, yeah. That there was, it was just awful to watch that thing. It was just like, why do you have to stand up every ten seconds? Hey, but right. we have the clap forever now. <laughs> okay, so and by that I mean Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> clap. Jesus. So I, I think, you read <laughs> chlamydia. Right. I, I'm going to <laughs> assume that this was put on the hot takes wheel because, um, you know, she's very outspoken for being someone who just started in government and she uh, is very active on Twitter. And um, I, I mean, none of these things really bother me, but I. I I can see how some people and older people in the Democratic establishment, I think, feel that she should maybe chill, take her time, learn how things work, study, observe the process, and don't just come out of the gate trying to be one of the major mouthpieces of the party. So I don't know. How do you guys feel? Go ahead. Come out the gate. Yeah, come I, out I the really gate. Like Change the sauce. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for coming there and doing dance moves and not letting people take photos of you and just going into the night quietly and being political about it. Like, let she gets a lot of trolls. And I don't know. I, I've told everyone in my life to watch the 60 Minutes interview that she did with Anderson Cooper, mm-hmm. where she lays it all out and she challenges him. And it was just even the interview itself is just a demonstration that people just don't understand her. Jill Abramson, you know, after she won 
won the election. Jill Abramson, the former executive editor of New York Times, the New York Times published a But Who Is She article after she won. And it was she wrote a tweet that was like, you know, I am so angry that the New York Times, it's like, who is she? She's been in the race the whole time. Now you want to cover her? Like, get in line. I think she's changing the game. I appreciate her. I'm a super fan. AOC. Mm hmm blessed <laughs> yeah I, th- I i agree like i really am a big fan of her as well and i think that like her personality and her just like drive is so needed right now like that's exactly what you need like we've right. had if anyone didn't like her sure i you know i understand and like if you put it in a business perspective like if you've been in a business forever like you worked at the bank forever and then someone new comes in you're like you know, uh, you know wait a second like settle down there's you gotta- a process yeah. in place <laughs> or i mean you know this is a thing of millennials that a lot of older people right. begrudge that they start working in a company right out of college they expect to be promoted in their first year sure. this kind of idea of paying your dues they don't really give a shit they are filled with confidence they have worked and they have studied and now they want to fucking knock down the doors and break the glass ceilings and I understand why it can feel threatening to people who did pay their dues for a long time and I also think this is part of a kind of interesting generational clash happening between older women who were never given opportunities who were never helped to achieve who had to spend decades slogging it out Mm -hmm. playing the game that the patriarchy instilled and then finally got to their position and now maybe sometimes they feel like it's easier for younger women and they resent it a little bit Um, but yeah I don't see any fucking harm in it and I think the fact that we have her and Nancy Pelosi, who's yeah. in her 70s and been doing this for fucking ever and is leading the whole Democratic Party together, I think that's exactly what we need. Yeah. A coalition between the older, really experienced politicians and the young ones who have new ideas and are breathing new lifeblood into the party. It's all good. Let's yeah. take it all. You know, Jesse, you said earlier, like, she's on Twitter. She's very active. She's outspoken. She's mouthpiece. She's kind of, a, a, you know, inexperienced. And I wonder if you would say that like that's exactly what the president is. As yeah, well, and nobody's right. like really giving him slack, <laughs> right? So God. true. You know, he's running so his true. mouth, and yet we're saying that about this young girl that came out the gate because this is the political climate that created her, and like she was working at a bar before this. Like, it's amazing. Yes, it's incredible what she's doing, and I am all for more of those millennials kicking down those doors that have been yeah. like really just like not for the people or by the people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think people are rolling their eyes because she I think I read she literally gave a class on Twitter to some of her colleagues, like taught them some social media. That's good. Yeah, because you're right. Look what's what it's fucking done for Trump. Yeah, it's done everything for him. So let's all learn how to use Twitter, folks. And she's got some crazy dance moves. Yeah, she does. does. (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, great. Um, So Julie. If we can't find you on TV right now, and for those who can't make it to the comedy club to find yeah. you there, where can they find you? Hit us with your socials. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Instagram. That's sort of my most authentic self, I'd say. Julie SB underscore, and then Twitter, JSB underscore TV. But uh, yeah, I like the gram. I'm a big uh, Insta storyer. So okay, awesome. And Mandana, <laughs> I'm at Twitter. Do you share anything about yourself? <laughs> oh wow, uh, I am no longer on any of the social. And how do you media. feel about that? I feel really good. It's been a, it's been a healthy diet of almost. Uh, it'll, it'll be six months soon. Wow. I got off the the gram, and I got off of. I not only got off, I deleted Instagram. 
Are you going to um, go? This summer. Do you want to go back? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. That's how we had the disaster called Fire Festival, <laughs> uh, which was a case study <laughs> and f- a social experiment on how you can easily be manipulated by beautiful images and a promise that is sold. I think there's a lot of <laughs> impression management that takes up a lot of time. There's a cycle of comparison. What is it? Uh, compare despair, I think, was one mm. of the most interesting cycles I heard. I find myself more at peace. Uh, without it but of course I do miss the memes on a regular basis but that's why we have read it and then yeah. Facebook yeah I mean I had to get off of it uh, uh, you know I just I just needed a break I found that uh, one of my favorite Jay-Z quotes is uh, you know the type loud as a motorbike but wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight and I just found that a lot of a lot of that was happening on Facebook where people were fighting during the oh, political yeah. era and how so they awful. felt but then wouldn't they were just like you know adult trolls in real life Mm -hmm. it's like oh you said that about immigrants or trump and or this and it's just like why don't why can't you have a public discourse in person why are you this like bully uh or why are you this person behind oh god yeah facebook was awful yeah facebook i mean i mean and there's obviously been tons of articles about the data breach but Mm -hmm. i mean i could go on so you can just find me at twitter you're still in that beautiful (laughs) echo chamber called twitter right of just endless reinforcement and preaching to the choir right i I love that (laughs) and following aoc um there you go and julie and jesse (laughs) and the female gaze and all these wonderful new outlets all right so what's your handle at mondana mofiti okay and you can follow at Female Gaze Pod on Twitter or Instagram. And I guess you can follow me too. I don't know if I've ever said my own shit on the Ooh, podcast. Wow, so. is the day. Why haven't you? Yeah. Let's talk about Come that. Come on. The pod first and the person second. But I you am. Can follow me at the Female Gaze. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or what am I? I'm uh, the real J Cats on Twitter because yes. I signed on when that was a thing people were doing. Yeah. And I think I'm just at J no at the J Cats on Instagram. Something like that. Can I start the at fake Jess Cats? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Please. <laughs> just troll me constantly. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This was awesome. Thank Julie. you for having me. This so was really fun. fun. I feels like very enlightened, cathartic too. Yeah. I'm like, mm. Good. <laughs> yeah, let's go see a movie now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.